now bring you the Making Much of Jesus podcast featuring the late Dr. Jack Hudson, the founding pastor of the Northside Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And now today's edition of the Making Much of Jesus podcast. First Chronicles chapter four, verse number 23. These were the potters and those that dwelt among plants and hedges. There they dwelt with the king for his work. Now that's our theme and our first message I brought was from that verse. Now if you will, stay right there in First Chronicles. Turn to the 17th chapter and verse number 16. Now again, our subject tonight is sitting before the Lord. Chapter number 17 and verse number 16. This is a story of David, just one verse. And, the, and David the king came and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is mine house that thou hast brought me hitherto? I want to read it once again. And David the king came and sat before the Lord. Now I want to go over into the New Testament And I'm going to turn to the Gospel of Luke. If you'd like to stay there in Chronicles, I'll read this to you from Luke. You can write it down, look at it later. But Luke chapter 10 and verse number 39. Listen what it has to say. Well, let's begin at verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet, and heard his word. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray that in Jesus' name that you'd let us sit at thy feet tonight. And may we understand ere we leave this service just what it means. And may we go back over our lives in the last few days even, or the last few weeks, and ask ourselves this question with God watching upon us. Have we really been sitting before the Lord? Help us to understand it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, the phrase sitting carries with it the thought of attitude. An attitude is involved in it. I looked up in my dictionary, and I was interested and concerned, and one part of it I knew. It always means or sitting or, or the thing that we need to understand is a way of thinking, a way of thinking. But let me come back for a minute and be sure that we understand. Sitting is an attitude. But I want you to notice something else. They were not only sitting but they were sitting before the Lord. They were sitting in the presence of the Lord. They were there to meet with him, to know him better, to hear his instructions, and we need to understand that. Now there is a negative side to that. Many times when we do not sit before the Lord, we cannot be the positive worker that God wants us to be. I'm gonna read to you, I I won't wait on you, though you can possibly find it quicker than I can. But I've got a little advantage knowing where it is. Listen what it says in Matthew chapter 15, verse number 7, 8, and 9. Ye hypocrites, well said Isaiah prophecy of you, saying, the pe- This people draw nigh unto me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Now that's the negative side of it. God has something else to say in Matthew chapter number 6. Listen to what he says as he speaks to our heart again along these very lines. Chapter 6 and verse number 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet, 
And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And then the Word of God has to say in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, and verse number 25, a verse with which many of you are familiar, but let me read it to you. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now as I read this, there's a thought that comes into my mind. The Lord is saying, you may come before the Lord, but maybe you do it in the wrong attitude. Maybe you do it with the wrong purpose in mind. Maybe you have an ulterior motive. That is, you come before the Lord saying thus, but in reality you want it to be this. And he says, and he says some rather unpleasant words, you hypocrites. And he says to us that we're not, our hearts are not in. You draw nigh to me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. Now, let's look again, and I only have two points in it, but the first one is our, the attitude necessary for sitting before the Lord. Now, I have before the Lord in parentheses. The attitude necessary for sitting before the Lord. As I mentioned, an attitude is a way of thinking. It also has with it something that's very interesting. And I read this in my dictionary. It's in yours. It has covers two things. The way of thinking. It also has to do with the position of the body. I'm not sure that I, if I were writing, I'd use that saying the attitude of his body was thus and so. But according to my dictionary, it can mean position of the body as to standing, sitting, or lying, that is, lying down. All of these are attitudes. And so when, they, when the Bible says they sat before the Lord, it had to do with their attitude. It had to do with their way of thinking. Now, I want you to understand, one of the most difficult things to deal with is an attitude. You, you can't pin it down. You can't write demerits out for it. You, you can't pull a person in and, and deal with them in the way that you'd like to. If they did something openly and physically, it's pretty easy to deal with. But attitudes are difficult. It's way of thinking. Now, the way of thinking has, to, has a great deal to do. That's what the Lord meant. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? You have to agree in your thinking if you're going to make any progress. You know, one of the things that I've discovered, for example, let's use politics because that way you can understand it better without you thinking I'm making some inference. Now, first of all, here's two men walking down the street. They're talking. Well, it's a beautiful morning. Sure is. And uh, my, aren't you glad that the interest rate has come down? We surely are. And I'll tell you right now, I think the, the Democrats are doing the greatest job they've ever done. Wait a minute, buddy. Wait a minute. I'm going to have to disagree with you there. You see, I'm a Republican. Now, they've agreed on the, the day being beautiful and the interest rates down, and they could agree on 99 other things, but now they've come to a part of their life where their thinking is different. Did you know that's why they have the Republican Party and the Democratic Party? Now, I want you to think about this. You've got to get this in your mind. There is a common goal out there for all politicians, and that is to give to the people the best kind of life that they can offer. The only problem, the Democrats say, we have the best way, and therefore we're better qualified to do it. And the Republicans stand on their side and say, we're out for the same purpose. The only thing, we have a better way, and we have the best way, and we want to do it this way. And so we have two schools of thought on politics. Now, when you come to life, it doesn't matter what it is, even uh, according to the Bible. You can go to groups of people who have the general purpose in mind, that is to win the world to Christ. 
But where they have problems is when they come down on how it's to be done. And one group said it ought to be done this way, and another one says it ought to be done this way. And so attitude enters into it. And attitude enters into the way we come before the Lord. That's what's so important. If we're going to be workers for the Lord, we have to understand this. Now this attitude carries with it three thoughts. Now, I want you to get these. First of all, it carries with it the thought of relaxation. I'm not talking about, as I mentioned this morning, sitting under a shade tree. That, that's not my thinking. It's being able to rest in the Lord. I want you to turn now to the book of Matthew, chapter 11, a verse I quoted this morning and have many times quoted, but I want us to look at it for a minute. Matthew, chapter 11. As I look around chrism today, I, I see a greater need of this, being able to rest in the Lord as I preach this morning, being able to relax in Him, just, just be completely submissive unto Him. Oh, we all tight. We're as tight as a banjo string, thinking that everything depends upon us. And if everybody doesn't believe what we believe, then surely the world's going to fly apart in the next 30 seconds. It, I'll be honest with you, folks, it's not going to do it. It just won't do it. God's still in control, Amen. and God still knows how to do things. Now, look in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Do you realize the three things, the only three areas in which we can rest that God promises are in there? First of all, notice if you will. Come unto me, all you that labor. Now labor has to do with the physical side. And God says, I'm the only one coming unto me. Come unto me. God didn't say, just stand there and fret, and I'll come to you. He didn't say that. No, he said, come unto me, all you that labor. And if you've got physical problems and can't make ends meet, then he's the only one you can go to. But now notice, that labor and are heavy laden. I've had people who say to me, I've got burdens so heavy, I don't believe I can carry them. You know what they're saying? I'm heavily laden with my burdens. Burdens has to do with the emotions. And God says when you've got problems that you just can't overcome, why do you fret and why do you argue and why do you har harass and... Why do you do all these things that doesn't do anything but causes you more tension? Why don't you come to me with them? I think that's one of the sweetest invitations that you can understand, but that isn't all. Look down here in the latter part of verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Do you know what that literally means? Get in step with me, begin to work with me. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. There's the spiritual rest. There's the physical, the emotional and the spiritual, all wrapped up in one invitation coming unto him. Now, many times we use this as an invitation to be saved, and that's all right. But the primary application of this is the children of God. And he's saying, when you've got that problem, don't fight it. Don't go out and complain about it. Don't go arguing about me and talking about me and acting as if I've let you down. I've given you an invitation. Just come unto me. All you that are that labor and are heavy laden, whether it's physical or emotional, whether it's spiritual, you just come unto me. Now, there also carries with it not only the thought of relaxation, but there carries with it the thought of submission. You can't before God go before God and tell him what to do. I'll tell you once in a while, and there's only once in a while, I'll have the television on on Sunday morning. I just I haven't had it on lately. 
but once in a while I will. And it, it almost makes my blood run cold when some of these guys stand on there and command God to do something. Oh, that bothers me. Brother, I'll be honest with you. You don't command God to do anything. Oh, you may say it and you may get a few little, you know, ratty folk. To, that's, oh, boy, that's tremendous. That's great. But you're not going to impress God with commanding him to do anything. Everything I read in the Word of God teaches us that we're to be submissive. We're to report for duty. We're not going to tell God what to do. I wish we'd get off of this kick of trying to defend the Word of God. Well, God bless you. God said, contend for the Word that was, uh, that was once delivered unto the same. Just go out and tell folks what it has to say. That's what we're after. Now, notice what he said. There has to be submission. I'm going to turn in the Old Testament because there's many of them, of course, in the New, but... I'm turning to Isaiah chapter 57 and verse number 15. Listen what he has to say. For thus saith the high and the lofty, one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him also, that is of a contrite and a humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Did you hear that? God said, I want you to know how high and lofty I am. But I'll tell you, there's one person I'll dwell with, and that's that one of a humble heart and a contrite spirit. And God breaks us down, and God says, I want you to be submissive. And when you come into my presence, regardless of how high and how mighty I am, you need to understand it. You know that I think we not only need to come with the attitude of relaxation, just resting in the presence of the Lord. We need to come with submission, just submit ourselves unto God. And then we need to come with expectation, expectation, expecting God to do something. I'll be honest with you, I believe it's belittling the Lord when we go to him with some great request and then act as if God can't do it or act as if God won't do it. And when we come with something that the Holy Spirit has placed upon our heart to ask God out for concerning some great things for God's people and God's work, I believe we ought to go with great expectations. You know, my heart has always been stirred when I read in Isaiah. Let me just turn there for a minute. Isaiah chapter number 6. You know, this is, this is a tremendous blessing. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and twain with two he covered his face, and with twain or two he covered his feet, and with twain or two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the doors moved, and the voice of him that cried in the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am, a, I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I want to tell you something, brother. When you get in the presence of the Lord, you forget that arrogance. Did you know it? You forget that self-righteousness. You almost feel like you're going to turn to jelly in his presence. And this is here. Here was a man and king in the year that King Uzziah died. He's saying, I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was in the year that King Uzziah died. And I remember the funeral. And I remember the 30 days that they paid respect to the king. It was in that year. He was positive about it. I saw the Lord. Now, I don't believe he saw the Lord literally. That is visibly. But he saw him in a way that he had never seen him before. It's like Peter said in Mark 4, Mark 5, when he said, and when Peter saw it, when Peter understood it for the first time, and Isaiah got a glimpse of the Lord, he got a new outlook on God, God's holiness. 
and therefore he became humbled. You never see self-righteous people in the presence of the Lord. You see them out puffed up with their own self-righteousness, but never in the, in the near God, never. They're always humble. Do you remember what Mary said? Uh, Mary sat before uh, the Lord. She sat and listened to him as he spoke to her. David said when he came in, he sat before the Lord. He was a king of a great empire, but that man sat before the Lord. Folk, if we can understand this, if we plan to do anything for God, these are prerequisites for it. Our attitude must be that of sitting before the Lord. I don't mean by that when we pray or read our Bible, we've got to sit down on the floor. I'm certainly not indicating that. But I'm saying our attitude must be that which is reverent before the Lord. We must go to him with an attitude of relaxing, realizing that God can take care of his business. An attitude of submission and an attitude of expectation. God will do something for us and God will do something with us when we come to him with that attitude. Secondly, there's the reward of sitting before the Lord. First of all, you'll see his face. Now again, I'm not talking about some image that you might dream of at night. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about seeing him who is invisible, and that's scripture. I'm talking about it's, it's having in your mind the, the knowledge that you've met with the Lord. How many times in the Word of God they said, I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. And you think about it in your mind. Let me read to you from Psalms. The Word of God so much has so many good things to say to us. Listen what it has to say. And uh, he's telling us there in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter number 34 and verse number 5. I want to read these scriptures to you. I'm just so impressed as I was studying for this particular group of them. Uh, chapter number 34 and verse number 5. Listen what it says. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Did you notice? Let me read it again. This poor man. Now he's talking about not talking about a person that didn't have any money in his pocket. He's talking about a person who doesn't puff up and doesn't become self-righteous. He's talking about poor in spirit. In other words, he's humble. He's depending upon the Lord. And so this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. Now let me turn for the counterpart in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. Listen what the Lord has to say to us in that. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 18. But we all, with open face, behold, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Did you know it's possible today to get into the presence of the Lord and you can leave with His presence all over you? His presence can linger in your face. You're like the disciples, the Bible says, and they took notice of them that had been with Jesus. And when Moses was up on Mount Sinai with the Lord and came back, his face shined like that of an angel. They finally had to put a veil over his face. He was still radiating the presence of the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, beloved, that ought to be something that you covet. It ought to be something that you pray for every day of your life, that you'll be like Jesus and that you'll radiate his presence. That's one of the blessings of it. Mary was never the same. She sat at the feet of Jesus. She was never the same. David sat before the Lord. The Word of God tells us in First Chronicles. David was the great singer of Zion. 
David was a sweet singer who wrote the Psalms, or the most of them. David was a man blessed of God. God said, David is the apple of mine eye. David, or the Lord said, when I look at David real close on, I can see my reflection in his eye. David thinks of me. And beloved, this is what this world needs. We need this more than we do need scholars. We need this more than we know people who can, you know, memorize all the various things in the Word of God and, and all the dispensations and know exactly how long and what they, how they began and how they ended. All that's important. Please don't misunderstand me there. I'm saying there are people who can do that, but they've never really sat before the Lord. They've never really sat in His presence. They've never picked up His fragrance. They've never fixed up his, picked up His glow because they have not sat. Not only do you see His face, but you receive His Word. Again, I turn to the book of Psalms, uh, chapter number 85 and verse number 8. Listen what the Lord tells us about this thing of really receiving His Word. And Psalms 85 and verse number 8, listen what it says. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not return again to folly. Don't you like that? Listen. I will hear what the Lord God will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to their folly. There's something that we must do. You know the one thing about it? When you receive his word, when you sit before him, that's why I've always loved 1 John. I always feel like John, being the, the disciple of the Lord, calls us into his home and he says, Little children, I'm writing these things unto you. Of course, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I'm writing these things unto you. And it's like a, a very intimate time of fellowship with the Lord. Do you know what? If I have a desire for these folk right here, this church of the Northside Baptist Church, you know what it is? that you may really know the Lord. I'm not talking about your salvation. You've settled that. But you might know the Lord. You get on intimate terms with Him, that you may know Him and He knows you. And you learn to anticipate what the Lord will do sometimes in a given situation. You learn to anticipate that. And you either do it or you don't do it because of past experience and because of your relationship with the Lord. When you go to Him, you can talk to Him on the very, very dearest terms that you know. And just sit with him sometimes and do nothing more than just say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for saving me. Lord, I've spent some time thinking over what it would mean to be lost again. And I thank you for no one else ever cared for me like Jesus. And you ought to just talk to him like that. I thank God. Aren't you glad he gave us a book that we can read and we can learn about the blessing of the Lord? And we, we, he gives us instructions and guidance and very tender care. And because I meet with him and sit at his feet, and because he shares with me his word, then when you fail, aren't you glad when you fail so miserably, you go to the Lord and say, Oh, dear God, I don't even see how you'd listen to me. And he says, Remember, son, I put First John 1 and 9 in the Bible. And you look at it again, though you know it well, if we confess our sins, he's just and right to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wonder if you've ever gotten on your face before God and thanked Him for that verse. Not only the verse, but thanked Him for the meaning of that verse, that He forgives us of our sins. It's not an indication to go into sin just because He forgives us, because it hurts you too much. But I'm glad First John 1 and 9 is in the Bible. And then when you feel neglected, for example, and sometimes you feel like the world's passing you by, 
Sometimes you feel as if nobody really cares and nobody is aware of what all you, you're doing and nobody comes around and applauds you and pats you on the back and you sometimes just gets a little discouraged. Well, God has an answer for that. And uh, as a result of it, let me find it here in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 3. Listen what he says to us and helps us with that. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. He's pulled us unto him. He's put that strong desire in the heart just to come to the Lord. You know, I like that great old Negro spiritual. Oh, it's got so much truth in it. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be able to do? I'm going to read it again. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Have I pulled you unto myself? And then sometimes we not only feel neglected, but we feel forsaken. And God again is so tender to us and he gives us special verses all the way through that reminds us in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5. Listen what he says. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be ye content with such things as you have. For he hath said, are you listening? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I'll be honest with you, you need to get that in your mind. If I'd say, how many of you believe that tonight? I wouldn't be surprised if every hand in this congregation didn't go up. But I wonder how many of you actually live it and know beyond any shadow of a doubt that he will never leave us or he will never forsake us. One day you and I are going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But aren't you glad that even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death that he's not going to forsake us, but he's going to walk through it with us? Now, if you know that, I mean, if you're absolutely convinced of that, that he's not going to leave you, and if you're in the furnace of afflictions, he'll still be in there with you. There isn't any place that you'll ever go that you'll get away from the Lord if you're born again. No place, not any place that you'll ever get away from him. He loves you with an everlasting love. He's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Now, don't you think you ought to tell somebody else about that? That's what he's talking about, a worker. I'll be honest with you, until you understand these things, all your work will be in vain. You'll go out there for a month or two months, and the first thing you know, it'll wear out, and it'll get old to you, and you'll say, there's just nothing there. And You'll either develop a guilt complex, or you'll start blaming God, or you'll do something, and you'll say, the people are just not interested anymore. No, sir, it has to happen in you. And it doesn't matter then for the reception or the lack of reception you get out there. You'll just keep on going. You'll just keep on going. You can't quit. It's so good that you want to tell other people about it. And then when you feel that pinch of the recession coming your way, aren't you glad you can look into his face, so to speak? And when you look into this book, you're looking into his face. And you hear him remind you again of Philippians 4.19 that I quoted to you this morning. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We need to understand it and put it in its proper text and context, so to, but there it is. And then there are times when you feel you're not being used. I wonder if some of you feel like that. You say, I don't know why it is. I just don't feel I'm being used. God's got a verse for you if you just keep looking into his face, sit before his feet, look up into his blessed face. Be not weary in well-doing, or in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 
That always makes me feel better. I'll promise you this one thing. You'll go through plateaus in your life. And as a Christian, it'll seem like everything works perfectly. And then there'll come a plateau, kind of a leveling off. And I think it's a time of kind of getting everything all together. And you say, wonder what's wrong, wonder what's happening. And your Heavenly Father says to you very tenderly, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. God's saying, don't give out, don't quit on me. Don't give up, hold on, just hold on. Just learn to hold on a little longer and keep on going and I'll see it through. Then there are times when you feel like you're on the shelf. You know, that seemed to be the only thing Paul was afraid of. He said, lest I become a castaway. And he was a little concerned about that and I think we all ought to be. I think that's the only thing we ought to be concerned about. I'll be honest with you, I'd rather die and the Lord take me on to heaven than to put me on the shelf any day. But listen what he said in Isaiah chapter 41, verse number 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be, th be not dismayed. I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I don't know about you, but that does something for me. I, I go and read that every once in a while. That's my vitamins. That's my spiritual pet pill. I can go and read that. Fear thou not. Don't be afraid. Listen, for I am with thee. Man, that ought to be enough to make you want to take on the world with one hand tied behind you and fight the devil, you know, in the middle of the darkness. But he says, for I am thy God. He reminds us of that. I'm your God. I'm not your friend alone, but I'm your God. Listen, I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Thank God it's his righteousness, not ours. We wouldn't have too much to hold up, would we? All right. Not only we see his face and not only do we receive his word, but we receive his grace. Oh, folk, if, there's any, if God would let me go to seed, preaching on any doctrine of the word of God, it would be his grace. For I know what a difference it made in my life when I, oh, I knew what the, I knew what the Greek word meant and I, I knew and I had illustrations all about grace and I, I don't think it hit me like a ton of bricks. It just began to something, just like somebody opened a door and a little bit of light coming out. And I began to know there was more behind it. And I began to look and I began to investigate and I began to study. And I realized that I haven't even gotten to the door yet, let alone got it, got, got it opened. I, I, don't mean, I don't mean that I've understood all about grace, but I know that grace is something that we need to know more about. Saved by grace, kept by grace, going to heaven by grace, going to live in heaven by grace. Every bit of it, the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember several years ago I wrote this in my Bible what is grace grace is everything for nothing to sinners who don't deserve anything I'm gonna read it again grace is everything for nothing to sinners who don't deserve anything and beloved when you get to that point you're sitting at the feet of Jesus and God can and God will reveal his grace to us and help us to understand it now listen what David said in the verse in uh, First Chronicles chapter 17 and verse number one. Now it came to pass as David sat in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. And he said, uh, and Nathan said unto David, Do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. And David said, I'm going to build a house for God. Do you know what that is interpreted in very simple language? God says, I'm going to go to work for God. 
And I'm going to go to work to build a church. And may I say this? There isn't a greater, there isn't a more noble work on the face of this earth. There isn't anything more lasting than building a church for the Lord or being a part of it. You men in, involved in business and you have great and high adventures. You men sometimes on hunting trips or fishing trips or, or trips of adventure of various kind. I'll tell you that's exhilarating and that's good for you. But I'll tell you lasting day in and day out. There isn't anything like building a church for Jesus Christ. And David said, now that I've sat in his presence, I'm going to build a house of God. I'm going to build a church. Mary sat at his feet. Mary accomplished something because she understood that grace. And Paul, God bless him, that great servant of God, one of the greatest Christians who ever lived. He had a, he had a time, had a little problem and he, he needed some help from God and God's always able and God's always willing to give that help. But in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 7, listen what he said. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that was given to me, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. He understood his grace and was willing to go with it. And today we need to understand in 2 Corinthians, and I close, chapter number 9 and verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. There it is. Hoke, I'm simply saying... In another way, what I've said many times, we need to get to know the Lord. I mean, know Him. Not hear about Him, but we need to get to know the Lord. I sometimes wonder if He'd be arrogant, say, so we just get alone and say, Lord, I, I'm saved, I've trusted you with my soul, but Lord, I don't really know you. And Lord, I want you to, I want you to just help me to understand you. I want you to do it. I almost, I hesitate. I don't think, maybe I shouldn't, I've done, gone too far now, you'd never understood, but I think we need to understand what it means to know him. It means to know him in your everyday life. It means to know him at your work. It means to know him in your recreation. It means to know him in your finances. It means to know him when you're sick. It means to know him when you're well. It means to know him when things are going good. It, you know him when it's going bad. You just talk to him all the time and say, Now, Lord, show me what to do. Ask his advice. Seek his wisdom. That's sitting before the Lord. It's an attitude. It's an attitude that he'll reveal his word to you. Now, Mary sat there and listened to the Lord speak. The Lord is in heaven, but he speaks to me through this word. He can still speak to you and to me. There was a General Gordon who, by the way, is the one, you know, he was an English general. And he's the one who got the tomb straightened out there in Jerusalem. They call it Gordon's tomb. And it's the place that uh, they say where the Lord Jesus Christ was, was crucified, or where he was buried after his crucifixion and so on. General Gordon was a real Christian. And because they had tents in those days and which afforded very little privacy. And there's a true story written about him. They said when he'd go in to read his Bible and to pray, he'd take his handkerchief, just his white handkerchief out. He'd tie it upon a post of his tent. 
and any of his men, any of his aides, even the officer, regardless of how important a business may be at the moment, if they'd see that white handkerchief there hanging, they knew the general was reading his Bible and knew he was praying, and they wouldn't interrupt him. Beloved, I want to ask you something. Do you have a place like that? Do you have a place where you get alone with the Lord? I don't think it's important about the place is that you get alone with him and just talk to him. Say, Lord Jesus, I don't want anything today. I just want to tell you I love you. And I want to tell you I thank you for all the good things you've done for me. And just adore him. Now, when we do that, we're sitting before the Lord. And as a result of it, we're going to have grace. The attitude must be there. We must be submissive. Don't go in there telling God what to do with all your well-laid-out plans. God won't listen to you. God will say, God bless you, son. You go back now, and when you get submissive, you come before me, and I'll listen to you. I'll bless you, and I'll help you. Remember that. We must go before him with the right attitude. We thank you for listening to the Making Much of Jesus podcast. If this sermon was a blessing to you, please share and invite others to listen. And join us next time for the Making Much of Jesus podcast.